All right, this morning we had a good time preaching through 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, the biblical view of love, and it's a stamp of genuineness. We discovered 7 minus 1 equals 0, but they don't teach that at Canaan. I'm preaching there Wednesday, amen? Jason preached there last Wednesday. They can't, they can't get enough of these Cofield preachers, I guess, amen? I'll pray for them, amen? And, uh, you know, all this eloquency and all the martyr and all the good works and everything that we do without love, it's nothing. Words without love is worthless. Good works without love is nothing. And even faith without love is nothing. And folks, we need to practice patience, kindness, reject pride, die to self, react in the spirit, rejoice in the truth, and be faithful if we're going to have love. And I want to tell you something, friend. God worked me over this morning about love. Amen. We want to love one another. We want to love God. But tonight I want you to turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I'm a little nervous up here because I don't want to wreck no equipment. Amen. I heard these girls have been sick, so I'm not going to borrow any of their water. But uh, I was worried about that when Jason came back from chapel. said, I think the Morrison's girls are coming down with something. I said, oh, no. Let's pray. Amen. We don't want the singing to be hindered. We don't want them to be sick. But uh, I really do appreciate this family. And I know you'll want to get the CDs at the end of the service. Plug them in. I'm going to tell you something. You go down the road, listen to junk, and you're going to, have, you're going to have some bad thinking. You might even drive bad, amen, with that junk. I had a friend one time went through a major intersection, almost killed five people. I said, what was you doing? He said, I had my earphones on. I was listening to who. Y'all don't even know who who is, but who is an ungodly group. And he went right through the intersection just, you know, in another world. So, you know, I take uh, distracted driving. Well, you ought to be spiritually driving. And put the Morrisons in while you're going to... My grandchildren love these, these girls singing, and Brother Wesley too. Uh, I mean, just love them. I mean, the, I mean, they want to hear them all the time, and I thank God for that, amen? Because the junk, garbage in, garbage out. Gospel in, gospel out. As a man thinking in his heart, so is he, and that ought to be good music, amen? John chapter 21, let's stand on the Word of God. The Bible says, and after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on the wise showed he himself. Third time he appeared since the resurrection. Catches his disciples there. They were together with Simon Peter, Thomas, Denimus, and Nathaniel of Cana, and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. You always take somebody with you. And they went forth and entered into the ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Ever been there? But when the morning was now come, thank God, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any meat? In other words, have you caught anything? And they answered him one word, No. Don't you hate somebody to ask you if you've caught something when you ain't caught nothing? But it gets worse. He tells them how to catch them. And that's what's so good. And he said to them, Cast thy net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fish. And therefore that, Je- uh, th- therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, whom Jesus loved, said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his uh, father's coat unto him, where he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little, a little ship, for they were not 
uh, far from the land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. And soon then they were come into the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid thereon, and the bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up, drew up the net to the land, full of great fish, 153. And for all they were so many, yet was not the net broken. There's another miracle. And here's what I want to emphasize. And Jesus said to him, Come and dine. And, and none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish thereof. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. And so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said to him, Feed my sheep. He said in the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. And verily I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. And this spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Thank you for standing in reverence to the word of God. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for your love. And thank you, dear God, that we have the opportunity of a lifetime, and that's to love you. And Lord, we pray that we'd love you more than these. And God, that we'd love you with all our heart, and all our soul, and all our mind. God, I pray that you'd help us find the key to serving God tonight in this passage of Scripture. And God, thank you that we can see that it's a danger in our, in our soul when we start backsliding in our love for Thee. And Lord, I pray that You'd speak to our hearts and help us, God, to stay faithful and in love with You. And God will praise You for that communion, that relationship, that walk of love. And Lord, we sure appreciate how You love us, how You're so patient, <clears throat> how You're so tender-hearted so kind, God, so giving, so sacrificial. God, such a, such a loving God that would love sinners like us. Lord, help us to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the disciples, and they're waiting by the Sea of Tiberias. Many miracles have taken place there. Peter had caught... Uh, some fish after catching none, after God told him to go cast the net on the other side once before. He caught a fish and got some tax money. How many looking forward to taxes this year? Oh my. And uh, then we see this third miracle in this, uh, by this river, this sea, is that here they are fishing 
after the resurrection. Some people criticize them for going back to their uh, job and backsliding. I'm not sure that's correct, but I know one thing. They were catching nothing without God's help. I, can do, I, I cannot do anything without Him. How about you? But I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. And he cried out from the shore and he said, Have you, uh, children, have you got any meat? Have you caught anything? And they just answered, No. He told them to cast the net on the other side. And then they came to the shore and I'm sure that Peter got under great conviction because the last time that he had saw coals, verse, 20, or verse 9, was in John 18, 18, where he was on the coals of denial. And so I'm, I imagine when he saw those coals, he said, well, this is it now. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. Here was conviction written all over this dear man. And I want to tell you something, friend. You backslide privately a lot sooner than you backslide publicly. I mean, I'm telling you, friend, listen, your heart gets cold before even your wife knows it. But God knows it. Uh, your heart gets cold before your children identify it. Now, they'll catch it pretty quick. And you can come to church and put on your little Pepsi Dent smile if you want to and act like everything's fine. And I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, you can come in here and, uh, and put on a good show, but I want to tell you something. You need to bring the Holy Spirit home to your heart and fall in love with God. It's the key to serving God. It's the key of doing what God wants you to do with your life. And so I believe the key issue in Peter's uh, life here in this verse is verse 15. It says, when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now folks, I want you to know he's already bragged, and Peter's a lot like me. Sometimes he opens his mouth before he, before he engages his mind. Tapes. Oh wow. You know, and, 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 he, and he speaks before he thinks. Have you ever done that? Some of y'all are guilty of that, because I've been hanging around you about 40 years. I know it. But I want to tell you something. Then he said in chapter 26 of Matthew, verse 33, he said, uh, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And so I think God was calling his hand on what he'd said and what he'd pledged. And he said, You really love me more than these disciples? Some people say it was the nets, and I've heard all kinds of preaching, and so have you. But I want to tell you something, friend. He said, Do you love me? And he used the word agape. Used to have a bookstore named Agape, and some old hillbillies around here would always say, That's the Gate bookstore. Amen. The Gate. It's Agape. It means God like, sacrificial, Christ like. And he said, Do you really love me like that? Like I love you? And folks, Peter's restored uh, apostleship or leadership three times publicly. He'd probably already got things right in his heart, probably. But uh, he denied Jesus publicly three times, so the Lord publicly reinstates him. And that's what you ought to do. If you've offended somebody publicly, you ought to make it right for, before the church. Amen? Get things right. And I notice Jesus, he's restoring Peter. He did not ask this. Peter, have you repented of your sins? Peter, have you trusted me? Some people thought it was a faith problem. And Luke chapter 22 says that Jesus prayed that his faith fell not, so it was a faith problem. But I want to tell you something, friend. We, we need to realize that loving God is by faith. We love Him because He first loved us. That's faith. 1 John four nineteen. And so he didn't ask him, have you believed 
uh, doctrine right. He didn't inspect him on, do you keep my commandments? Because if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. Amen. And his commandments are not grievous, by the way. Praise God. You want to serve God. Somebody told me the other day, he said, well, our church don't go to church on Sunday night. Uh, because the Bible didn't say you have to go to church. I looked at him and I said, I don't have to go to church. I want to go to church. Amen. You come up with a Monday night meeting, I'll be there too. But I want you to know, the question is, and it's a question to us, do you love Jesus? Do you really love Jesus? That's a pertinent, pressing, personal question. Folks, the biblical viewpoint of, of, of love is, is that love is, is, the, is the badge of discipleship. They know that you're disciples because you love one another. It's the, it's the proof of conversion. We know we pass from death and life because we love the brethren. Say amen. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's the light of the church. Love is. We're putting in new lights here. Amen. I like a lot of lights. The interior decorator that we had come said, you need to darken up the auditorium and just put the lights on the platform. I said, hey, listen, we don't do celebrity ship around here. We want people to know the Bible and look at the Bible and check me out with the Bible. Amen. I believe you ought to bring your Bible to church. Make sure the preacher's preaching the Bible. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible tells us that uh, the, the lamp was put out because they left their first love. And in Revelation chapter 3, and I preached this message down at the camp the other, other year. I don't know, it seems like the other month. And uh, it was an afternoon session, and I was just minding my own business. Brother Stennett called me up to preach, and I started preaching. And they said, you got 20 minutes. And I must have gotten the spirit because Brother Sammy says, keep on, keep on, keep on. And then he said, give an invitation. I said, praise God. Uh, that's wonderful. I get to give an invitation. I love giving invitation. We had about 10 families walk out of our church on the 10th anniversary, or 10 folks in one clan, because they said I gave too long of invitations. And I mispronounced a word. And I said, okay. Went home and wept about it. Sad, isn't it, what people leave church over. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 2, if you'll look at it, I'll get to my point in just a minute. This is about conviction right now. It says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, folks, this church um, was separated. Uh, this church was soul winning. This church was steadfast. And this church was serving. Verse 3. They, they, they looked like a fundamental independent Baptist church. It says, Thou tried that which was apostles, and and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne and has patience for many for my name's sake, and has labored. They were out soul winning probably, and hath not fainted. But he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now look at verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I'll come and, uh, unto thee quickly, and will remove the candlestick, out of his place, except thou repent. Now he's saying, hey, listen, if you don't get back to your first love, I'm putting a candle out around here. I think it's the light of the local church, love. Amen? I believe it's a criteria for the judgment one day. Paul said, I fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. And then he said, and there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, and not only for me, but for all those that love his appearing. I believe, folks, we're going to give account of what we loved. Amen. I mean, what really 
attracted us and what enamored us and what captivated us and what uh, uh, was on our minds all the time. We're going to give account of that one day at the judgment seat of Christ about our motives. Do we do it for the glory of God? Do we do it because we love God? I'm telling you, friend, uh, we need to realize that uh, the, the biblical perspective of love is not this infatuation and this Hollywood junk. Don't ever get your standards of love and marriage from Hollywood. Please. Those jaybirds have not been uh, married long enough, and they don't stay married long enough to tell you how to run your family. Say amen. For some reason, there's a magazine coming to our house, and I'm trying to get it stopped. I don't know how in the world it started coming to our house. It's Oprah's magazine. I said, Connie, wonder somebody, you didn't order it? Okay, good, I'm glad you're confessing, hon. But anyway, uh, and I said, I wonder if somebody uh, happens to see our mail and we're getting Oprah. She thinks she's the authority on everything. I heard she's going to run for president. I hope she does, and the Republicans will get back in, praise God, if she runs. <laughs> Amen. Worst candidates in the world. But I want to tell you this, friend, listen, it's the proof of life in Christ. It's the proof of faith in Christ. It's motive power. The love of Christ constrains us, amen? We don't have to go soul winning. We ought to want to go soul winning. We ought to love to praise His name. We ought to love church. We ought to love to sing. But not just because we love to sing, because we love God. It's the queen of all graces this morning. It's the badge of discipleship. It's the sign of true repentance. It's the light of the local assembly. It's a criteria for the judgment. And let me just say this, friend. It is the real Spirit of marriage. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church. But I want to close all these 12 or 15 things that love is with, it's the key to service. It's the key to serving God effectively. It's the key, to, it's the key of bearing fruit. You must abide in Him and His words abide in you. And abide means fellowship. Folks, do you love Jesus? That's the question. I mean, do you read your Bible so you can mark off the little uh, book marker and turn it into Jason at the end of the year? God, help you if you do that. I'm doing that because I don't want my son to think I do not read the Bible. I'm checking the thing off it, whether I read it or not. No, not really. <laughs> but I want to love God. I had to reread four chapters again yesterday morning because my mind was wandering off in Disney World or somewhere. ADD, that's what I am. I mean, I've been accused of that all during the 40th anniversary. I'll go here and do this. And, you know, I, I understand. But, folks, I want to still be enthusiastic at age 66 and a half. Maybe it's 65. I don't know how old I am. 66. I really forget how old I am a lot of times. Is that a sign of being 66? Amen. <laughs> Pappy used to call the Alzheimer's disease old timers disease. Amen. So I think I think she's got old timers. I said no. But I want to tell you something, friend. I never want to fall out of love with God. Amen. I don't. I don't want to do this because I have to. God help us. We have to sing in the choir. You ought to count it a joy to sing. Say amen right there, brother Corster. Hey. I, I don't want to show up and say, oh, they're going to get me to teach a Sunday school class. I want to do it because I love Jesus. 
I want to sing because I love Jesus. I'll tell you what, I, I'm sitting behind all this equipment. I said, I think I could sing behind one of those. Amen. It's got a bottle holder and everything. Praise God. Amen. They're modernistic now, praise the Lord. Amen. We better pray for them. Bottle holders. But anyway, do you love Jesus? That's the question of the hour. I mean, the Lord is restoring His disciple. I mean, publicly reinstating him to leadership. And he asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It must be pretty important. I mean, before Peter does some great things for God and writes a great couple of books, First, Second Peter, isn't it? You write anything else? Somebody might think he wrote the book of Hebrews. I want to tell you who wrote the book of Hebrews. The Holy Ghost. Amen? Don't worry about it. Amen? But I'll tell you this, friend. God counts it a great, valuable question to each one of us. Do you love me? Not to have you repented of your sins. Not do you love my Bible. Don't do you trust me. He said very pressingly, very personally to Peter, do you love me? He just performed another miracle. I think one of the greatest miracles is what he did, he's doing in uh, Peter's life. It's a miracle when we fall forward, say amen. It's a miracle that God could use any of us, but thank God, I'm glad for his mercy and I'm glad for his grace and I'm glad for his love. He loves you enough to forgive you and reinstate you. And folks, I want to tell you something, failure should not be final. If you've fallen, get back up and realize that probably where you fell was not just your faith, but it was your love life. You backslid privately before you backslid publicly. I fear one thing in my life is that I will do this mechanically, that I'd go through the motions and that I'd learn to preach without Christ. That would be a tragedy. And that I'd preach for you instead of Him. But even when, when, when Peter's asked this, he wasn't asked him about your, he said, Peter, give me your profession of faith. He's already given a great profession of faith. Look in Matthew 16, 16. The Bible says, And Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's about as good as you can get, say amen. And folks, even when you're saved, you need to love Jesus. And even after you're saved, you can fall out of loving Jesus. You can know all the facts. Amen? Right before Christmas, I asked my wife for all the facts. What she wants, what she wears, what size, what shoes. I carry around my wallet. Don't do me a bit of good. I end up getting Stephanie or one of the girls go buy it and say I bought it. She always loves what her girls pick out. Amen. So I've learned a long time ago. I said, Steph, when Amy's in town, which is not very many Christmases, but we had two with her, I say, we're going shopping. I said, what are we going shopping for? We're going shopping for Mama. And you buy it, and I'll get the credit. <laughs> Woo! I've already told them a secret now. I've on blown Christmas. But anyway, wait a minute. But what, if I, what if I started getting lonely one day, and I got out that card, and I just started looking at all the facts, you know? And then, I, then maybe I pulled out her picture. You know, we used to carry pictures in our wallet. Remember those days? 
Now it's our cell phone, praise God. We, we show motion pictures if you want to, hallelujah. I had my dog jumping over the fence the other day. I said, look at this, you know, just showing everybody. But I want to say this, friend. I can pull out the wallet and look at the picture. I can look, pull out all the facts. But that doesn't mean that it's like her putting her arms around me. This is Valentine's, amen. And I can put my arms around her. That's good for, for married people, amen. And, and, and feel, her, feel her presence close to me. Folks, I want to tell you something. God's, God's, God wants you to uh, have a profession of faith. He wants you to know the facts. He wants you to be doctrinally straight. But I believe what He's asking you tonight is, do you love Him? Do you love me? Do you spend time with me? Do you talk to me? That's prayer. Do you listen to me? That's reading the book. Do you walk with me? Hey, do you brag on me? I was minding my own business today and took our missionary out to eat. Boy, I'll tell you what, that young missionary can eat, praise God. If he marries a wife, it better be somebody that can cook good, amen. He, he ordered every strange thing on the menu over there at uh, Lisa's. I mean, spicy cauliflower, I'll take that. Uh, chicken and dumplings, I said, you going to eat that? He said, I'm taking that, amen. No, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, pie, what's it called? Shepherd's pie. I wouldn't eat that if there was the last thing on earth. And here he was, I'll take that, amen. And I said, would you like a dessert? Oh, yeah, I'd like to take that too, amen. I mean, he was enjoying himself, amen. I was glad to feed him. And I'll tell you something, friend. I believe with all my heart that God makes a point here, the Lord Jesus makes a point here. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't satisfied with him just dining with him. So he's not impressed with you just eating with him and receiving from him. He wants you to serve him and give. About that time, a 90-year-old lady came to me while we was sitting there watching the missionary eat. And I'm telling you, it was Clara Ray. She came up and said, Brother Wayne, how are you doing? She said, you remember when I got saved? I said, yes, Miss Ray, I'll never forget it. I knocked on every door in Georgian apartments. That was my goal for one day. It was about 8.30, and I always knock on the resident manager's door last. That's wisdom, amen? You get kicked out of those apartment complex if you don't. And I knocked on her door and left a track. She's a Catholic. And she said she laid that track on the uh, Lord's Supper, uh, Lord's Supper table, her uh, supper table, her breakfast table, her kitchen table. Come on now, help me out now. It's been a long life. And she said it laid there two weeks, but I picked it up. And I read the message in that track. And she says, the next thing I knew, lost Catholic that I was, I fell on the floor in the kitchen and cried out to God to save me. And he says, I'll never forget that day, Brother Wayne. Thank you for knocking on my door and leaving that track. And the whole restaurant was hearing her testimony. She's, <coughs> she's 90 years old and she could care less what people thought, amen. She said, I remember right after I got saved, I thought those tracks were so great. I went over to the mall and I covered the whole mall, every windshield, under every wiper, with a track. <laughs> I said, glory to God, come back to Whitfield Baptist Church, amen. She said, I really love God, and you could tell it. She's in her son-in-law's church, Brother Green, he used to run Green's grocery store. And she said, tonight we're watching a movie and eating. I said, I, she said, I bet, I bet you'll be preaching. I said, yeah, we're singing, but I'm preaching. Amen. Come on over. But she was enthused about being saved. 
And folks, listen, I don't believe he asked about his position. He was one of the twelve. He was an apostle. And folks, I want to tell you something. God's not interested in me being a preacher and you being a deacon and you being a teacher. He's interested in one question. I believe he wants to know, do you love Jesus? Do you love me? If for a second you could just imagine you're the only person in this room and Jesus was in this pulpit, it's just you and Him, I believe it would be a good practice to say and listen to Him say, do you love me? I don't believe He was concerned about the great privileges that He had. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, would you turn there with me real quick? We'll wrap this up. Don't pack up. I'm just wrapping it up. Amen. In closing, look at Second uh, Peter chapter one verse sixteen. The Bible says, "For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We make known unto you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus." but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. He said, I saw Him. I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then He went on to say, hey, listen, there's a more sure word of prophecy, praise God. And He said, I want you to know, know verse 20, knowing this, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not of old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. He said, I want to tell you something. I got something more sure than an than a, than a eyewitness with God. I've got His Word to speak to me and direct me. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe he asked Peter about all the things that happened in his life. The great performances. Called 153 fish. fish. No, I think he was saying, and was interested in one thing. Peter, do you love me? You know, the key to fruitful service is that you love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that it'll be well with you and it'll be well with your children and your children's children. That's a promise. And folks, I don't believe that we ought to... And that he would ask, do you love your Sunday school class? Do you love to teach? Do you love the deek? Do you love to preach? Some people just live to preach. No, he said, do you love me? See, the key to service is loving Jesus. You know, I've had people resign their Sunday school class on Sunday morning. They say, I ain't teaching no more. It's a, that's it. I mean, those are bad boys in there. Those are bad girls. And they don't even listen, and they throw chewing gum at each other, and they talk and they won't behave and they just won't listen and, uh, and I'm just finished with the class you can find somebody else you know Jesus didn't say do you love teaching he said do you love me and by the way if bad boys and bad girls don't need Sunday school who does see the proof of your love is not that you eat what he serves on the coals of fire, but that you serve others. If you love Jesus, 
you love him because he first loved you. And some people say, well, I love music, and they sing in the choir. Some people say, I love to play an instrument, so they play in the orchestra. Some people say, I love to teach, so they teach a class. That's not good enough. You need to love Jesus. Jesus let Peter know that he would live a long time in verse 18. And you know, the historians tell us that he, he was crucified, and that he refused to be crucified upright because he loved the Lord so much he was crucified upside down. He was a martyr. And folks, I want to tell you something. I believe the reason that he endured to the end, and I believe that he had a long life, and he did uh, turn old and, and was given his life for Christ and be steadfast and faithful is because he fell in love with God that day. And he answered the question right, Lord, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. When you love Jesus, God will take your life and constrain you and use you in a special way. Let me just give you four things in closing that will happen when you love Jesus. Number one, self will be destroyed. It'll destroy selfishness. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22 about the Ten Commandments, and it says you ought to love God before you love your neighbor. The first five is summed up with loving God with all your heart, all your life. So what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy heart. And then, secondly, love thy neighbor as thyself. That sums up, summarizes the whole Ten Commandments. But I want to tell you something, friend. Get first things first. You'll never love your neighbor until you love God. You'll never love those students that won't listen and cut up and, and run around. And folks, they might be the next preacher of this church. But I want to tell you something. You'll never love them until you love Him. And so it destroys selfishness. You'll follow Him. You'll pick up the cross, deny yourself, and follow God. You'll pick up the cross means you'll totally identify with Him because you love Him. Then second of all, it brings obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. 1 John 5, 1 says if, if His commandments are not grievous. And then third of all, and I'll just summarize this, if you love Him, you'll turn from the world. 1 John 2, 5, look at it. No, 2, 15, I'm sorry. 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. Let me say this, friend. I believe in separation, but I believe in separation unto God first. Because Mormons are separated. Amen. They don't even drink tea, God help them. They don't even drink coffee. You can never be a Mormon, Brother Howard. You never make it. He drinks more coffee than any man I know. But I want to tell you something. Friend, listen. There's nothing wrong with it because you're not a Mormon. But I want to tell you something. You can do and don'ts and all this stuff, but I want to tell you something. The reason you ought to love God and be separated unto Him and give up the world and not love the world and the lust thereof is because you just love Him. You love Him more than them. Folks, it's a positive separation. You're just so much in love with God, you don't love the world. You don't love the things of the world. You don't want to impress the world. You don't want to act like the world, talk like the world, smell like the world, whatever the world smells like. You just don't love the world. Why? Because you have a higher love. You love him. I'll never forget Dr. Lee Robinson preached here 
as much as y'all sung here, Brother Wesley. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you might be hurt when we didn't have you for our 40th anniversary. You've been for the 29th. You were hurt, okay. We'll get it right after service. I just wanted to have preaching, and then they had an opening the next Sunday, so I said, praise God, we get to have the favorite group here. But I want to tell you something, Dr. Lee Robinson, he preached here all the time, amen. The reason I had him preach here on special days, he preached about 15 minutes. Have faith in God, let's go home. Amen, it was good, amen. Great. But I'll never forget that time he told that story of that dear, that crazy mama, I won't call her dear mama, crazy mama come in and said, hey, I need to see Dr. Lee Robinson. Secretary says, he's not seeing any people. He says, I got to see him. I got an emergency. And had a little old girl, she was, had tears streaming down her face already. Said, well, come on in. And, and Dr. Lee Robinson set the little girl down in the chair. And, he's, and the mama sat right there in the other chair. And he said, what's the problem? He says, well, I've married a man. And he says, I got to give my children away if he's going to stay with me. I've already given my other two away. And I got this one right here. And I'd like to ask you if you'd take her. Dr. Robinson thought she was crazy. We have a lot of crazy people walk into Baptist church on an average day sometimes. And he said, are you serious? And he realized she was serious. That little girl swelling up with tears. She's scared to death. And he said, well, if you're going to give her away, I've got a little girl named Joy. That's where she died. And Camp Joy was named after her. He said, you can come and live in my house, honey. You can have a bedroom with Joy and you can have her toys and he lists all the things she could have. And about that time, that little girl got up out of that chair and she ran over and jumped in her mother's lap and said, Mama, Mama, all I want is you. And I want to tell you something, friend. That's our, that should be our attitude towards separation. All we want is His applause. And all we want is His approval. And all we want to do is be like Christ. And we don't want any stumbling block in our lives. We don't want anything to be attracting to our flesh and, and our lust. And we just want God to be magnified and glorified through our love relationship with the living God. That's serving God effectively. And then last but not least, love produces faithfulness. I want to tell you something. If you love your wife, you'll be faithful to her. Amen? If you love your husband, you'll be faithful to him. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to realize if we'll love sinners, sinners' hearts will be touched. Sinners' hearts will be broken. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And a lot of times I think we come across a little cold, don't we? Number one, all of sin comes short of glory of God. Number two, well, you says, we're not prosecuting attorneys. We ought to be people that are so much in love with God that we can't help but share what Jesus has done in our lives. Reminded in closing the story about an old boy that was had an eighth grade education and he cleaned up a lawyer's office. He was going through Bible school up here. I can imagine he lived in one of those little old houses at Highland Park. You had to risk your life to live in that, in that neighborhood. I'll tell you that's the truth. My kids used to go to school up there and they said they, they, had, a, uh, they, had, they had to run through the neighborhood. And I went to the principal and I said, they might run in a lot of neighborhoods, but they ain't running in this neighborhood, buddy. I guarantee they run around the gym 15 times, but they're not running in this part of Chattanooga. And so they failed the class in PE. No, not really. <laughs> and they didn't run anymore in there. But I, I, I remember those little houses and those students. God bless them. 
And folks, this brilliant attorney was laid on this man's heart. And he called him one-on-one in the office after work. And, and he said, uh, I want to ask you a question. If you died today, you know you go to heaven. And that brilliant attorney um, started counseling everything he said and arguing with him and, and uh, just doing all kinds of things to, to, to get him off track. He was frustrated and, and finally uh, he, 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 he just said, man, I'm blowing this. I'm not doing good. I don't know how to witness to this, this man of high degree and knowledge. And he just looked at him with tears in his eyes and he said, I just wanted you to know that I came here because I love you. I want to see you go to heaven and not hell. And I want, to, I want you to know that the only reason I came here is I loved you and dejected. He went home to his wife and said, I don't want anybody to bother me. I don't want to talk to anyone the rest of the day. I just want to go to my room and be left alone. I'm such a failure. Tried to witness somebody and made a fool out of myself. About an hour later, the lawyer looked up his address because he worked there with him and about an hour later, a knock came on the door. This little Bible student and his wife. He told the man's wife, he said, I'd like to see your husband. He said, I'm, I'm sorry, but he's not seeing anyone. He locked himself up in the bedroom. Oh, he said, I think he'll, he, he'll see me. Just tell him who I am. And he told his name. And so the husband allowed the attorney to come to the room, and he said, why have you come? Have you come to t- make fun of me some more? Have you come to argue with me again? You know, I cannot argue with you. And the lawyer said, no, I haven't come to argue with you. I've come to ask you to tell me how to be saved. He said, the man replied, I don't understand. What changed your mind? He said, every time I tried to tell you about Jesus, you came up with an argument that I couldn't answer. And the lawyer said, yes, I did. But you came up with an argument that I had, I couldn't answer. The soul winner looked at him and said, what was that? He said, the lawyer replied, when you looked at me and told me you loved me, I couldn't argue with that. Folks, I want to tell you something. The reason Peter became effective and fruitful is because he answered the question, not about his profession, not about his position, not about the performances that he had, or not about the great spectacular events in his life. But he answered the question, Peter, do you love you? Don't tell me you love God if you're not faithful in church. Don't tell me you love God if you don't read his love letters. Don't tell me you love God if you don't love people that are going and die, going to hell because Jesus loved them enough to leave the splendor and glory of heaven to die for their souls. Don't tell me that you... Love God if you never speak to Him. Communication is the circulatory system. I'll go over that Wednesday night on our Valentine special night, whatever that is. But communication is the lifeline of your marriage. It's the circulatory system. It keeps it alive and fresh. I mean, not this kind of communication, just the facts, Friday, but I mean, how do you feel? How did that make you feel, what I just said? 
and you care with your heart, and it's, it's friends, it's best friends, and it's heart to heart, not just words to word. It's not prosecuting attorney, and it's not fussing and fighting all the time, but it's communication and love and caring and giving that only God's love can do through you. But I want to tell you something, if you're going to be effective in this world today, because it's skeptical, it's cynical, Folks, people are not as receptive as they were when I started knocking on doors in 1978. I'll tell you that right now. But I'll tell you this. If they know you care, and they know you love them, and they know that you're willing to invest time in prayer and fasting, and they know that you'll come again, and you'll knock again, and somebody else might have knocked on that door and loosened the hinges with love and all the hinges with love. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We can win people to the Lord because they've got one argument they cannot answer. And that is, they really care. And they really love Jesus. And they really love me. I believe that love is the key to effective service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the fruit of the Spirit, love. We thank you, God, that we can't forgive without your love. Lord, we can't give without your love. Lord, we can't serve without your love. We can't sing without your love. We can't preach without your love. We're just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. We're just nothing, the Bible says, without love. So God, thank you for your unmerited favor. Thank you for your unending love. Thank you, God, for your unconditional love. Thank you, God, for your sacrificial love. Thank you, dear God, that there's nothing in this world that can separate us from your love. And God, may we answer the question tonight, do we love Jesus? Lord, please help our hearts to love you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. And then, God, to leave this place and overflow with the love of God as we touch others, as you touch others through our lives.